The parable I'm about to read is one of my favorite parables. It's called the parable of the two sons. And uh, a few years ago, I was preaching at Imani, our sister church, and I used this uh, text to preach at. And then just last month, I was at Kafida, our sister church in Malawi, and I used this text. Because you can go, it's a, it's a text about family conflict. And so you're guaranteed that wherever you go, you, that topic is going to be relevant because all families experience that. Uh, and we're going to see how Jesus deals with it in this particular passage. From Matthew 21. When he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things and who gave you this authority? Jesus answered them, I also will ask you a question, and if you tell me the answer, then I also will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, whence was it? From heaven or from men? And they argued with one another. If we say from heaven, he will say, then why did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we are afraid of the multitude, for all hold that John was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, we do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. What do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward, he repented and went. And he went to the second and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said the first. And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the harlots believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterwards repent and believe him. May the Lord bless to our hearts and our minds this reading of his word. Earl Palmer, in his book on the parables of Jesus, talks about how Jesus deals with parables in different ways. Sometimes he tells a parable and he just lets it sit there. That's most of the time. Sometimes he follows up the parable with a question. Rarely, but occasionally, he explains the parable like in the parable of the sower. In this instance of the one that we just read, he asks a question and then he gets an answer from them and then he responds. He gives a postscript. The question that Jesus asks is this. Which of the two sons did the will of the father? They said the first. And Jesus said, Amen, I say to you, the tax collectors and harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. John the Baptist came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him. He uses this word three times. But the harlots and tax collectors believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not repent and believe him. Let's look at this parable as a story. That's the first place that you start when you're studying a parable. There are some rules of literary interpretation. C.S. Lewis was a professor of literature at Oxford and then at Cambridge. And uh, 
he wrote a very famous essay examining the seven major interpretations of Shakespeare's Hamlet. You know, there's a Freudian interpretation of Hamlet. There's a Marxist interpretation of Hamlet. There's an existentialist interpretation. And he came to the conclusion that they were all wrong because instead of starting with the story, they started with their philosophical presumptions and then read those presumptions into the story, which meant that their interpretation was wrong. He says, you have to start with the basic story to understand the motivations of the Prince of Denmark in Hamlet. So, Earl Palmer encourages us to look at the variables and the constants when you're studying a parable. Because just like a science experiment, parables have variables and constants. Now, in this parable, the constants are the father, he's the same, the vineyard, same, and the question. Will you go work in the vineyard? So the variables are the two sons. That's the difference. And each of these sons is portrayed as having a fault. Having a fault. The first son's fault is that he too quickly opposes the will of his father. His fault is defiance. Notice this is a very short parable, but it is electrifying in its emotional impact. Our minds can just naturally add a whole bunch of unspoken dialogue that Jesus leaves out of the story. But we can imagine that this conversation between the father and the son was a little longer uh, than it seems, huh? Will you go work in the vineyard? No! I'm sick and tired of the vineyard. I've been working in that vineyard all week. And I want to have some time to be with my friends. Do some of the things that I'd like to do for a change. So he stomps off. Yeah, anyone who's ever had a power struggle between a father and a son can understand what's going on here. This is a parable about life. The father says, will you work in the vineyard? The son says, no. But then what happens? He repents. He goes to work in the vineyard. He ends up in the vineyard and he works there. And that's the first half of the story. I would describe this boy as a big problem at breakfast, but a joy at dinner. He's a great joy at the dinner table. At the breakfast, this kind of kid really can upset everything. They come to the breakfast table with a scowl already on their face. The word no is on their lips before any question is even asked. This kind of kid can give you ulcers. I'm tired of your projects, Dad. Haven't you heard the slaves were freed? So, but at the dinner table, he's a great joy. Then there's the second son. He's a little more complicated. He says in the morning exactly what the father wants to hear. Notice our, our Lord sort of pours it on a little bit in this story. This son, when he's asked the question, he doesn't just say yes. He goes, yes, sir, I go. We love polite kids, don't we? You ma'am and sir kids, we love that kind of politeness. He says, yes, sir, I go. So in the morning, uh, the boy says he's going to go, but he doesn't end up in the vineyard. I would describe him as a joy at breakfast, but a problem at dinner. And this parable is more of a dinner 
parable than a breakfast parable. So it becomes a big problem at dinner that you would have never guessed was going to happen at breakfast. So after the first son says, no, I'm not working in the vineyard, the father, and he stomps off, the father gathers himself up and asks the same question to the second son. Will you go and work in the vineyard today? And the second son says, Father, I'm awfully glad, glad you suggested that. I was just thinking this morning during my prayer time, you know, I, I would love to go work in the vineyard. I love vineyards. I love seeing our family name on those bottles of Zinfandel. And I know, I know how much we, you need the money to help pay for college tuition for my brother and I. And I do feel an obligation to help our family in any way that I can. And so, Mom, put another pork chop in the marinade. I'm going to be awfully hungry tonight when I come in from working in that vineyard all day. And he goes off singing zippity-doo-dah. You ever meet people like that? They really can cheer up your morning. There's only one problem. He never makes it to the vineyard. He never goes to the vineyard. This son's problem is evasiveness. He's slippery. Psychologists might say he's passive aggressive. He does one thing, says one thing, and does another. Which of the two sons did the will of the father? You have to wait until dark to know, to find out. One technical observation that Earl Palmer also makes is that the symbol for Greek drama is two masks hanging from a string. And one of the masks is smiling, and that represents comedy. The other mask is frowning, and that represents tragedy. And the greatest comics are those that can mix the tragic and the comic together. When you get a, a comic like Charlie Chaplin, there's always a little bit of the tragic in there with the comic. Same with the Woody Allen films. Mixes them together. And many of Jesus' parables have both these threads, too. The comic thread in this parable is the first son. He says he's not going to go. We don't expect him to go. But boom, lo and behold... He ends up in the vineyard, working. It's a surprise. It's a comic thing. We laugh in the afternoon because he made it to the vineyard. One definition of comedy is the sudden perception of incongruity. That's comedy. We didn't expect this kid to go, but he did. He made it there. And then there's the tragic thread. It's also present in this parable. It has to do with the second son. There are several elements of this tragic thread in him. The first thing is, he never meets his father. He never meets the father. The one thing you can say about a family argument is you do meet each other in the argument. Sometimes when I hear a family say, oh, we never argue in our family, I think that's too bad. Because that probably need, means you never really engage each other. That you never really meet each other. When I was a youth minister, I would hear kids complain about their strict parents and the parents who had all these rules that they had to go by. But the really sad kids were the kids who would say that, that it was hard to engage their parent. It was hard to get them to be firm enough 
so they can have something to push against. Every teenager needs someone strong and firm to push against, to test your boundaries. And the kids that don't get that suffer greatly. So the second son doesn't meet his father. Will you go work in the vineyard? Yes, Dad, I'd love to go. I'll go. But he doesn't go. He just avoids the father. It's a tragic thread. He doesn't meet his father like the first one did. The first one met him in the argument. The second one never meets his father. second tragic thread is that he doesn't repent. Repentance is one of the most exhilarating experiences in life. He didn't have the experience of repentance. He had to live with his own sneakiness and deception. And the third tragic thread is he never ends up in the vineyard. And in the Bible, the vineyard is a symbol for the kingdom of God. Working in the vineyard is a symbol that you're working in God's kingdom. You're participating in the work of God in the world. Every person in Israel would have known this. And he never gets to work in the, in the vineyard. He doesn't get to be a part of what God is doing in the world. And that is tragic. A couple of observations about God from this. First of all, I think we can infer from this parable that Jesus expects initial resistance to his claims on our lives. He makes it clear that he expects when presented with the possibility of making him Lord of our lives, the initial answer will be no. He's not surprised by this. But happily, the boy changes his mind and goes to work in the vineyard. This is comforting to know that our Lord understands that the claims that he makes on our lives are difficult and they're not easy to initially say yes to. Jesus also expects many people to pay lip service to his kingdom and never deliver their hearts in service to him. He not only expects the defiant ones, he expects the evasive and slippery ones too. The ones who say all the right things, Oh, I believe in you, Jesus. I love God. I'm not religious, but I'm very spiritual. You know, uh, all the right things. But they never have any intention of going to work in the vineyard. It's a great problem in churches. Around the country, we have hundreds and hundreds, thousands of people on church rolls. People who say all the right things, talk about themselves as being Christian. I love the church. I love what it means. But they have never once lifted a finger to work in the Father's vineyard. So this parable shows that Jesus understands human nature and how we operate. The main teaching is made clear in the question that Jesus asks. Parables are constructed to make only one point not like allegories, which make many points. Parable makes one point, and it's revealed in the question, which one did the will of the Father? This is a parable about the will of God. And what is the will of God? It's that we believe in him. And our Lord makes it clear by his follow-up postscript when three times he uses the word believe. He says, "When, when John the Baptist came in the way of righteousness, you did not believe him, The harlots and the tax collectors believed him. And even after you saw it, you did not repent and believe him. It's a parable about belief, about faith. Faith is shown to be a whole stormy event of word and work woven tightly together. Faith, according to this parable, 
is not just believing certain intellectual things. It's doing certain things with your life. Faith is about what you do, not just what you believe. And Jesus showed us what that means, what that looks like. Because he didn't just talk to us. He didn't just teach us about God. He came and gave his life. He gave his life as a sacrifice for us. So he lived out physically in his life the things that he taught to us. And he asked us to, to have the same kind of integrity, to be people who live out what it is that we say that we do, where our work and our words <clears throat> work together. And then another observation, second thoughts are better than first thoughts. At first glance, the first son, his uh, response to the question is, absolutely not, I'm not going. But then... He had a second thought. Somehow the more he thought about his father's request, the more it made sense to him. And somehow he changed his mind. And he went and he worked in the vineyard. A lot of times our initial thought will be no. God, no, we can't do this. I can't do that. That's too great of a sacrifice for you to ask me. To sacrifice my money or my time or whatever. But then the more we think about it, the more it makes sense. It does make sense to do what God is asking us to do. And then finally, it's better to, to finally believe what at first you could not say than to say at first what you do not believe. He'd rather have us say, nope, not going to the vineyard, and then end up going, than saying, yes, I'll be glad to go, and never showing up. That's what God would want. There's a tremendous integrity in the parable. It's the integrity of Jesus. And the last thing I think that's wonderful about this is that it shows that we have a God of the second chance. Do you know it's never too late to change your mind? God says you can reject me over and over and over again. You can reject me your whole life. And if the last hour of your life you change your mind and you say that you would like to be with me and to serve me and to, and to relate to me, it's never too late to change your mind and to follow God. That's the grace that God offers to all of us. Last month when I was at Kafita, I noticed a big sign that they have up by the widow's workshop in the corner of the property. The sign says, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Quote from the Bible. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. There, you couldn't think of a better way to sum up what this parable says to us. Amen.